So good to be with you guys this morning. Um, we uh, uh, we were out last week. Thank you to Kenny so much for filling in last minute. Uh, Kenny did an awesome job. If you weren't here last Sunday, didn't tune in to live stream, you missed it. Uh, I'll just tell you, you missed it. But thankful to the God of all technology that the sermon still exists on the interwebs. So go find that on our YouTube page. Uh, it'll be on the live stream for last week. Uh, Kenny did a great job opening God's Word and sharing it with us. I did want to give you guys an update. Some of you guys were aware of why we were out last week. just want to let you know. Um, we, uh, recently, we had been around. We had some family members who had actually tested positive uh, for the coronavirus. And uh, so we did what we were supposed to do. We laid low, see if we had symptoms, and we went to get tested. And so Kelly and I both are here today after having taken a long hiatus away. Haven't seen our family in a long time, and we're ready to see them. But they're doing what they need to do, too. And so, uh, so we're here today free and clear. No virus has ever been in our bodies, according to our tests. Both of us came back negative, and so uh, we're thankful for that. We did miss being with you guys last Sunday. But as I told you when we first started meeting back together, we were going to do everything we could to try to provide a safe environment short of hazmat suits. And, you know, we can't provide everything. But we want to do the best job that we could. And so for me, that meant... I've been around somebody who found out later they had tested positive. I need to make sure I'm good. And so um, uh, thank you, okay? Uh, so let's just, and if, if you, you know, if, hey, you do what you need to do too to love on the rest of us, okay? Um, so uh, maybe you won't run from me when we leave here. I promise we're negative, okay? We're good, all right? I got to clean up this statement before we get to the live stream later, <laughs> 1045, make sure. Uh, Make sure I communicate it clearly, but but I'm excited to be back with you guys today to open up God's Word again. If you got a Bible, go on and open up to Exodus chapter three. That's where we'll be here shortly. Um, this sermon series has been so chopped up because I took a vacation in the middle of it, and then we had to be gone last week uh, because of quarantine stuff, and so. Um, I almost went in a different direction today and just trashed the whole series <laughs> because I felt like we haven't we haven't been in it consistently, and I hate that. But I've been so pumped about preaching this series called Christ-Centered to you guys because uh, seeing the Old Testament through a Christ-centered lens has changed mine and Kelly's life. Um, the way that we view Scripture, the way that we view God, the way that we live our lives has been radically impacted by the fact that we view the Old Testament now through the lens of Christ-centeredness, and so it helps us understand the story of what God has done from the beginning and what he'll continue to do through to the end, and so if you'll begin to grasp that idea as you read the Bible, it'll change the way that you live and read too, okay? Um, I wish I had time to review the storyline with you, to go all the way through. I don't, okay? Because we got to get, we got to go, we got to go, we got to, we got to get y'all out of here before the next group comes in, okay? Um, but I will tell you, uh, this, the sermon I'm preaching this morning, like is 430 years since my last one. Okay. So we're skipping some things, some very important things. Some of the most jam packed chapters in Genesis come at the end from chapters 21 through 50 and they're beautiful. And so if you're interested in knowing more about that, this coming Wednesday night, we've been doing an adult group here on campus and online called like series recap. Um, and so I'm going to be leading a Bible study in Building B, and we'll also be doing it through Zoom. If you want to stay home, you don't feel comfortable being in a small room with adults, we're still going to do the best job that we can. But any adults that want to meet in Building B, Wednesday night, 630, we're going to discuss what's happened from Abraham to Moses, okay? 
and we'll also put it on Zoom. Our students will be meeting in here, socially distanced, and uh, but we give them this building, and we'll be in Building B. We'll also have it on uh, the Zoom, and so I've sent that out in emails. If you've not been getting emails from me every week, uh, that means I don't have your email. So make sure that you let me know that uh, today or let somebody on the staff know. That'll be coming up this week, okay? But what we're, what we're diving into today is Moses, okay? And so just to catch you up, Abraham's family grows and grows and grows. They wind up in Egypt over a period of time, several, several, several generations. God multiplies them like rabbits, and the Pharaoh starts looking at them, and he gets unsure, right? Uh, kind of like some of you parents who have lots of kids. You start looking around, and you think, we're outnumbered here. This is scary, right? <laughs> That's why we stopped at two. We feel like we can always man them. We can always out. But some of you guys on the back row back there, Buckley's and, uh, and Blackburn's, you've been outnumbered. You've, been, you've got more in the house. And so that's the way that the Pharaoh felt, the, exactly the way Patrick feels at home sometimes. That's how Pharaoh felt. I'm outnumbered. This is, I'm fearful. And so Pharaoh actually puts some things in motion to take away the freedoms of who beca- they're now known as the Israelites. Okay? And so um, he begins to, uh, to enslave them, take away their freedoms, to try to hold them down, and actually begin, they're having such healthy babies, he says, we're going to start uh, putting to death those children who, especially the boys, the ones that can be warriors, right? We're going to start putting them to death. And so this is a terrible situation, but this young, uh, young Israelite woman has a child named Moses, and, and God works in some miraculous ways to save this child's life and actually to preserve him and to preserve his freedoms, and he avoids the imminent death and pain of slavery, and his name was Moses. And that's the best short synopsis of 430 years I can do. Okay, come back Wednesday night if you want more. What I've seen over the last two weeks of studying and and really through the last few years of looking at the life of Moses, what I've seen is that there's Moses fills a lot of roles. All right, Moses is a huge part. Um, Moses is... Uh, is is referenced like 82 times directly in the New Testament and is uh, is alluded to 840 times, right? And so more than any other Old Testament figure, Moses comes up in the New Testament. And so we need to take note of who Moses is. But one of the main roles that Moses plays is mediator. Mediator, right? And so in a house with two children, that's the role that I play, Okay. That's the, we've all been, a, if you're a parent, you've been a mediator. If, you, if you're a, a girl and you went through high school, if you're a lady, you were probably a mediator at one time or needed a mediator um, because of the school drama. Um, and so, but for, for me as a parent, I have, to, I have to go between my kids, right? I have to say, Daniel, stop talking ugly to your sister, Elsie Joe. Daniel doesn't really hate you, I promise. He does love you, okay? And so I have to be that go-between. That's the role that Moses plays most often, and the one that gets referenced the most in the Bible is this mediator between God. You're going to see me do this a whole bunch today. Between God and man. That's the role that Moses feels, okay? And so this morning, I'm going to show you three different ways that God comes between God and man and the role that, how that actually, New Testament, is for you and I too. So it's going to be really cool. And then at the end, we're going to talk about how it all points to Jesus. It's going to be good. Amen. Let's dive in. Exodus chapter 3. God is meeting with Moses for the first time. This is that burning bush experience, if you're familiar with it. Verse 9 of chapter 3. 
So because the Israelites cry for help, this is God speaking, has come to me, and I also have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Let me say a word of prayer and we're going to dive right in. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you that your word is true, not just yesterday, not just today, but God forever. And God, I pray, um, God, as Patrick's already said, as we begin just to continue to unfold this beautiful picture uh, of your word to us um, week after week as we bring sermons here, God, as we study the word at home, as we do small groups, God, I pray that you'd bring clarity to your word, God, even today as I preach it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about mediators today. And so I'm going to give you three points. If you're a note taker, if you're not a note taker and you're type B, don't worry about it. Just pay attention, okay? Um, But if you're a note taker, here they are. Point number one is this. Mediators take the judgment of God and warn others. Okay, God calls Moses to leave the comforts of his family and lifestyle and go back to the land of Canaan where they came from, his family came from. So his job is to go into, God says, go to Pharaoh. Now let me tell you about who Pharaoh was. Pharaoh was the emperor, the head dog, the king of Egypt. Egypt at this moment is the largest empire that exists. Okay? So God tells Moses, this, at this point, this lowly shepherd living in the country hillside, working for his daddy-in-law, to go into the highest court, the palace of the Pharaoh, to walk into the throne room, walk up to his throne and say, you better listen to me or else. Who's signing up? Anybody? Not me. I can remember playing football. Uh, ninth grade, my first practice at football. First practice ever. Um, we were, it may have even been the summer leading up to, I don't remember when it fell, but I, I, was, I was, you know, 15 years old. I was five foot ten. 140, 50 pounds, I was a stick, at least 10 or 12 pounds ago, Um, but I I was just this little skinny guy, um, and we were going out for our first football practice, and and I had played defensive end because, you know, there weren't a lot of big people on our team anyway when I was in eighth grade, and so I'd jog over to our first practice, got pads on, jog over to the defensive coach, a defensive line coach, and uh, everybody else is kind of joining us, and I'm standing there, and he pitches me the ball. And I look down and I'm standing at a cone. And I'm thinking, how did that get there? And I look and there's a line forming behind me of all us ninth graders that are new to the team. And then I look across and there's another cone right across from me. And there are lots of bigger guys lined up there. In fact, all the seniors on the defensive line are over there. And coach says, we're starting with tackling drills. And I went, well, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I don't. I, this is not what I, how about some, you know, let's, let's walk through some drills, let's do something. And I look and the guy standing at the cone across from me is the largest and the strongest guy on our team. Literally, I think out of all the four or five different maxes, he, he, he was the leader in two of the maxes uh, weightlifting on the team. And I'm going, I'm going to die. This is it. I want to go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard, because Dairy Queen was still in Ardmore at this point, I want to go, and I want to go home. That's what I want to do at this moment. But you're telling me I've got to run and let this dude tackle me. 
And that's exactly what happened. But I remember the other coach telling, hey, don't be afraid of him. Talk trash to him. Y'all, if y'all play football, y'all know these crazy coaches. Hey, tell him you're going to run him over. And I'm sitting there going, dude, no way. Like there's no, I know physics a little bit. I'm only in ninth grade. I know mass and my, it ain't going to work. I'm fixing to get trucked. I'm not talking trash. I don't want to make him mad. I want him to be nice. But in that moment, I'm standing against the most powerful guy on our team. There's no way I'm talking trash. I'm talking sweet. I'm going I'm to pat him on the back. I'm going to offer to buy him a blizzard. I'm going to do all those things in that moment. That's the position, except a whole lot more, right? Because this guy can't literally kill me. He's just going to tackle me. Moses has been called by God to go into the most powerful man in the entire world and say, let the Israelites go or bad stuff's coming, big boy. Right? Like, that's the situation that Moses is in. And, and this is not a good place to be. He's there, just this lowly shepherd. And essentially, this is what he asks God. When God says, go do this, he essentially says, how could I step foot in Pharaoh's palace, walk into the throne room, and warn the most powerful man in the world? Look at verse 12. God's response is beautiful. I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be be with you. That's powerful words coming from the God of the universe who is currently speaking to Moses from a bush. A bush, mind you, that is on fire and is not turning to ash. Like it's been burning for a while. And it's hot. And it should have burned up quickly. So Moses is called by God to step into this awkward role of mediator and to take the judgment of God and bring it to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. That's what he's been called to do. And it's awkward and he felt unworthy and he felt unfit and he thought, I can't, how, how can I come before this man and bring the judgment of God and convey it to this powerful man? Church, it's the same thing God has called you and I to do. We know Moses knew a judgment was coming and he was supposed to warn the people. You and I know that a judgment is coming one day. If you don't, you haven't got to the end or anywhere in the middle. A judgment is coming one day that you and I will stand before God and our eternal destinations will be set either in the presence of God forever and ever or away from the presence of God forever and ever. We know of that judgment and God has called us to warn people of God's judgment. And it's awkward and it's weird and we don't like to do it and it creates... Awkward silences, but it's what God has called us to do. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. I'm not going to give you time to go there, but take note of it, and I think it will be on the screen. This is what Paul says. Um, It's the same point that Paul's making in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, ambassadors, mediators, since God is making his appeal through us, right? He's making his appeal through us. Paul says, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Paul says that God was making his appeal to the lost and dying world, not speaking. Now listen, this is what's so interesting. God did not speak from heaven himself to the people. He didn't speak to Pharaoh in the Old Testament that way. And he, Paul, Paul, he didn't speak to the people that Paul was trying to minister to. God chose to speak through human beings. 
And when you read the Bible, if you read it from beginning to end, that is what you discover, that God rarely speaks his own voice out loud to people. He most often uses human beings to convey his message. He calls us to be mediators. We're called to be just like Paul is here, to be mediators for God as we warn those who are far from him. We're saying, we're standing in between. We're saying, there's a judgment coming. You are not in right standing with God if you've not trusted in him. Please consider the call of God to believe on Jesus Christ. And so my question for all of us, hold a mirror up in front of my face and me, right? Are we doing this? Right? Are we doing this very thing? Are we lovingly sharing with folks in our life that sin separates us from God? And the only way that we can be made right is through Jesus. And if you're not doing that, it's probably because you're afraid or because you're uncertain or because you feel unfit or unworthy. Think of Moses and remember God's words. I will certainly be with you. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to deserve everything, and all that. He knew that was going to be overwhelming, but he said, remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Right? It's, it's a consistent message. Share, take the judgment of God and convey it to the people and remember that God is with you as you do it. But Moses wasn't just a mediator who warns those who are far from God. Mediators also take the faithfulness of God and remind God's people and remind others. Look at chapter 19. Now we're skipping ahead in the story a little bit. Uh, Moses is now going to Pharaoh Uh, God let him bring a little buffer buddy. Uh, He let him bring his brother Aaron uh, to go along with him. Um, He warns Pharaoh, but he didn't listen. And so God sends 10 waves of judgment over Egypt that we call the plagues. And they were awful and terrible. And after the 10th wave, Pharaoh says, you know what? Get out. I'm done. This was a bad idea. Just leave me alone. So God leads the people miraculously through a body of water when they were trapped. He drops quail and some sort of flaky heaven bread from heaven when they are hungry. And he gave them water from a boulder when they were thirsty. And they finally get to a place called Mount Horeb. It's the exact mountain where God had first met with Moses, right? They go to Mount Horeb. We hear it called throughout the rest of the Bible, Mount Sinai. And God meets again with Moses and asks him again to step into the role of mediator. All right, we're 16 chapters later, a little while later, but now God has stepped in and said, hey, be a mediator again. This is Exodus 19, beginning of verse 1. In the third month from the very day the Israelites left Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from Rephidim, came to the Sinai wilderness and camped in the wilderness there. Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, He summoned the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded them. So God calls Moses again to fill the role of mediator. This time, he's conveying the past faithfulness of God to point forward to future faithfulness. 
And who's he, he's not conveying this to Pharaoh or to the Egyptians. He's conveying it to the very people who have just seen the miracles of God. These are the people who, these are God's people. And I, if you're like me, when you hear of, the, if you know the story of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, like God just continues to work and then they continue to lack faith. And God continues to prove himself faithful and they continue to lack faith. And it can be very easy for us to go, good night, you Israelites, y'all are just boneheads. Y'all just don't get it, man. You just, you're not getting it. But let me just, just for the sake of conversation, um, how many of you have had days where you tried to do things your way instead of God's way? All of us. <laughs> How many of you have had, had days where you just struggled to do what you knew God wanted you to do, even though God had proved himself faithful in your life? Okay, so back off the Israelites, all right? <laughs> because we're all in the same boat. Listen, we all need reminding of God's faithfulness from time to time. And it's exactly why, just as Moses was called to stand between the people on the mountain and to take the faithfulness of God and then go down the mountain and convey it to the people, God has called you and I to do the same, to remind one another of the faithfulness of God and to bring it to real life in people, believers. And we're afraid to do it. We're worried about being viewed as hypocritical or uber-spiritual or I don't know why we do it. While we don't do it. But listen, church, you got bad days. And you need someone to, to, to tell you, to remind you of God's faithfulness. And church, I have bad days. And I need you to come in and to remind me of God's faithfulness. When you're at home waiting on test results, right? Wondering if you're ever going to get to come and see your church family again. Like you need, I needed to be reminded from Kenny and our staff. Kenny sent me some messages that were just so spot on at the times that I needed it because I needed to be reminded that God was faithful and God was going to see us through no matter what the test results were. Right? So let's look again at First Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 5. Paul's definitely making the case that the lost need to be reconciled to God, but he also reminds those of us who are believers of just how awesome God is. This is verses 17 through 19. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Everything, all of this and everything else is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice that has reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation or, as we're talking about here, mediation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or sins against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliations to us. Now, if you were to hear that on a down day, like those truths, that would, should give you a boost. God has taken the old you that you couldn't please him in a million years and he's made you new. All the sins that you've committed, guess what? They don't even count against you. Because you have been reconciled finally and fully with God through Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's the best news that we can get on a day that we need it. To be reminded of God's faithfulness. But then there's also other evidence of God's faithfulness. Health 
issues that you've been through, difficult situations that we, that we all go through. I think maybe there's probably some circumstances in our life, maybe now in this chaotic, wild world where we can find ourselves overwhelmed and lacking faith. We need to be reminded, we need to remind each other that God is faithful. He was, He is, and He will always be because our God is good. Just as Moses was a mediator who stood between God and the people and reminded them of His faithfulness, we need to strive for this position. So not only does a mediator take the judgment of God and warn others, not only does he take the faithfulness of God and remind others, mediators also take the call of God and challenge others. Moses didn't just warn those who knew God and remind them and lift them up. He also brought them very challenging words. Right? Uh, he helped them discover what obedience to God looked like in their day. So God gave them what we know, the Ten Commandments. If you're a kid and you got the coloring sheets when you came in, um, the Ten Commandments are on there. And plenty of other laws that governed how they were to interact with God and how they were to interact with each other. And it was just Moses' job to not only convey that, but to help people work it out. Right? Again, this is the same task that Moses had. He, he took the commands of God and brought it to the people. Now, what Moses didn't do was just come down from the mountain and say, here are the laws, y'all keep it, figure it out, because y'all are messed up, and then left them alone. No, the rest of the first five books of the Bible, the rest of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are the story of Moses working through these laws with the people. Look at, again at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because this is what God has called us to do too. It's what Paul's saying here. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, new has come. This is one of those great verses in the Bible that speaks in so many ways. And um, as I read it, as I was preparing this week, um, I was reminded, you know, that I read it in a way to, to remind someone of God's faithfulness, right? You know, hey, God's made you new and he loves you and he wants you to live a life and he, he's done a work in your life. That's a miracle, man. And so that's an encouraging message. But then if you flip it, right, and you present it a different way, it's, hey, look, bud, your old self is dead. I don't know why you keep getting it out of the grave, but God killed it and he raised you up new to live different. So quit, right? I mean, that same verse can encourage you and stomp on your toes. That's the goodness of God's word. And these can, but listen, I know that's tough conversations, man. It's tough to look someone in the eyes that you love, someone that you know that you love them, you've probably known them for a while, and, and to, to speak hard things into their life. But don't we all need it? I, I, look, I look back at the whippings and the slaps in the head and other things that I got as a kid, and I didn't like them then, but good night, I needed more. Didn't you? None of the kids said yes, but you do. You need, a lot more, you need a lot more punishment than you get right now, right? You need to be grounded twice as much as you are, okay? Your parents need to burn your TVs because you don't deserve them. Because we're all messed. We all sin, right? We're all, we're all, I mean, I, but I think back, even spiritually, I need a slap in the head sometimes, right? From people that I love, I need somebody to look me in the eyes and say, wake up, <clears throat> right? Wake up. And you may, you ever been there? <laughs> Probably, yeah, okay. We've all been there. You may even be there right now as I'm speaking. You're going, oh, okay, that's intense. 
You, you, maybe you need a slap in the head right now. I'm here to slap you right now. Stop it. Live for God. But if not, you know someone who is probably there. And right now, what they need is they need you to lovingly challenge them to greater obedience. Now, here's what they don't need. They don't just need a sermon. All right? Listen to me. I'm going to say this as a preacher. Anybody can preach hard sermons. Straight up. Anybody, you can call any of your friends up today and chew them out for all the things that they're doing wrong. I can stand up here and open up God's word and tell how all of y'all are sinners and in need of a savior. I can do that. You know what's hard? is coming alongside people after that and helping them figure it out. That's what pastoring is and that's what God's called us to as mediators. We're supposed to take the call of God and not just throw it at the people. We're to take the the, the call of God and get in with the people and challenge them. Yes, you're going to have to speak hard truths. But at the end of the day, we've got to be willing to walk with people. If we're not, and we're not mediators, you're just angry. You're not loving. You're just ugly, as we tell our kids. You're talking ugly, right? We've got to be willing to take this step. This is the greatest thing that we can do. The phone calls, the emails, the text messages, it's not glamorous, but that's what discipleship is. If you have a Christian friend who is currently choosing to be disobedient to God, you need to speak into their life, but they don't just need a lecture from you. They might need a lecture, but after that, they need you to come sit down and talk with them and help them figure out how they can make better choices in their life. What they need is an intense word of challenge and then a friend to process it with. And if we can't do this for each other, good night, we're in trouble. And if you're in that place right now where you're being disobedient, look, I'm your mediator today. Quit, right? I already said that. And I can't help all of you work through every single thing in your life, but you need people. You do need somebody. If you don't have somebody, definitely call me. But we need people in our life because God saved us for more than this. He brought us from death to life and gave us meaning and purpose and placed his presence within us. And that truth should swell up in us and overflow in obedience this week. And if it doesn't, we need to go back to God's word. And we need somebody to speak into us and help us get focused. That can be simply reading through a book of the Bible together over six weeks or meeting for coffee once a week and praying with each other. Whatever it looks like for you, whatever it looks like for you and your friends and the people that you're contacting, that's what it looks like to take the call of God and to challenge others. Moses was this great mediator between God and man. And this is what you and I have been called to do. So if you know that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good by experiencing his grace and his presence, this is your purpose. Be an ambassador for God. Be his mediator. Think of one person right now that fits one of those three things. You've got somebody in your life right now. You maybe got a bunch, but you've got at least one person in your life that needs warning of God's judgment, Right? that needs reminding of God's faithfulness or needs challenging from God's call. I want you to think of that person right now. And I want you to make a commitment with me, and maybe you are that person, and that's your commitment today. Make a commitment to speak to them this week. Would you do that? Make a commitment right now to speak with that person this week. 
Maybe it's someone who isn't a follower of Jesus. Warn them this week of the importance of making that decision. Maybe it's a believer who's struggling to trust God in a particular circumstance. I can think of, a, again, a few general overwhelming circumstances that people are going through right now. Riots, diseases, the news. Just turn it on. It's pretty overwhelming. <laughs> Remind that person that God was faithful yesterday. He'll be faithful today and he'll be faithful tomorrow. He's a good God. Maybe you have a follower of Jesus that you know who needs to be challenged. And I can tell you from experience, Satan doesn't care if they renounce their faith in God. What Satan wants to do is for them to get fat and happy. If Satan can get us fat and happy, spiritually content, he wins the battle. That's what we can't. We need someone. We need to be pushed. We need to be growing And I've seen it in my life. If you have that friend, challenge them to be obedient, be willing to help them achieve that. Because this is discipleship, helping people take steps to look like Jesus. It's the reason we're still here and not partying it up in the presence of heavenly God. We have a task before us to make disciples of all nations. We've got to reach out. So during this last song, you may want to think of that person, all right? that God has put on your heart and say a prayer, voice a prayer to God, asking for strength to help to talk to them this week. Listen, you may want to grab your phone and text them during the song and you think, well, that's irreverent. No, it's not. It's obedience. I can't think of a better way for you to respond to the call of God today than for you to tone Patrick out and you get your text up and you text somebody today and say, hey man, can we get coffee this week? Hey, can I meet you for lunch? Dude, God is smiling on you if you'll do that today. Because what Satan wants you to do is say, I'll reach out later, I'll reach out tomorrow. Listen, no you won't. No you won't because you'll go home and turn the news on and then you'll get in your panic room again and you'll forget all about it. You need to call them now. We need to be responding to what God has laid on our heart to do now. That's my plan in between services today is to reach out to my one that I'm thinking of right now. I'm asking you to do it too. I'm going to make one more point before we sing and respond here, though. We're called to be mediators not because Moses was. We're called to be mediators because Jesus was. Moses, Moses was, uh, was a man. <laughs> my table. Uh, sorry, you're good. You're good. Uh, I just went to put my Bible back on it, and I was like, okay. No, you're, no, you're good. I got it right here. I got it right here. You're good. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus took on flesh and literally stood between God and man, Right? That's what Jesus was. He was the perfect mediator. The author of Hebrews talks about in chapters 8 and 9, he talks about how Moses was this mediator of the old covenant. He stood between God and man and said, here's what God wants from you. God, here's what the people need from you. And he went, he was a go-between. Then in in chapter 9, the author of Hebrews says this of Jesus. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from sin. If you have not called on the Lord today to save you from sin and to redeem you, you can today. Jesus, our true and perfect mediator, stands between God. He's, he, he's made this right and he's just waiting for you. <laughs> he's literally waiting on you to just to, to commit your life to him. And he's calling you to do that today. Jesus, our true mediator, stands between God and you today. 
I'm going to be down front during this last song. You may want to come talk to me about that decision. I think we'll also have counselors back by the door. If we don't, then you can just come forward. Uh, if it's easier to come back, go back and come forward. But man, I'm so, so I just want to impress on you again uh, the importance of being that mediator to the people in our life. I'm going to say a word of prayer, and you respond as however God leads. If you want to come talk to me about anything or come to the altar and pray or just stand and sing or get your phone out and text, all right? You do whatever God calls you to do, okay? Let, let's stand after I pray or now, however you want to do it. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you so much for Jesus, who, who is our true mediator, God, the one who, uh, who stood between us and you, God, and righted the relationship. God, I thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to stand before you and proclaim the word today. God, I pray if there's anybody here who's never trusted in you, God, that that would happen today, God, that they would trust their entire life over to you and be changed today and receive that new, that new self that uh, Paul talks about that we read today. God, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. And we pray during this time of response that you would call to our memory the people that we need to begin to speak into and be mediators for. In Jesus' name.